0: welcome to back of the grid for the hungarian grand prix my name is chris and i'm joined as ever by Stu. hello and not by tom unfortunately this week he's not feeling super well so get well soon tom 2016 called they want their podcast back
1: and we're (laughs) we're about to give it to them (laughs) yeah quite possibly
0: (laughs) but not a bad race again i think i thought it was a
1: really entertaining race i actually really really enjoyed it mainly because i wasn't rushed off my feet through the entire
0: thing. <laughs> you could actually watch out. it.
1: Yeah, I actually got a chance to watch a race for the first time in a while. Um,
0: I, I actually and... saw some people claiming it was a dull race, which I mean... Yeah, uh, I saw what, that. What more do you want? <laughs>
1: like... uh, yeah, I, f- I think off the back of two pretty exemplary races that we've had yeah. just just before this one, then obviously this, 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 this more normal race probably did seem a little bit dull, but... I still think it was I I I like races like this that have got a it had a bit of everything. It had a chase, it had a, a bit of drama, it had all all the good things that I look for in a in a traditional Formula One race. So um yeah, I'll let you uh, I'll let you jump in, Chris, and we'll take it. Yeah. through it.
0: I think the only thing it was probably missing was the rain that was threatened for the whole race. Yeah. I think if we'd had a, a sprinkle of rain with like ten <laughs> or fifteen minutes left, that would have Just um, finished things off nicely, but still, Mm. very enjoyable. Yeah. I I guess the complaints come from the Mercedes dominance, which started in qualifying. I mean, it it never looked like anything other than the Mercedes front row all weekend, and that's what we got. Uh, Hamilton was nine tenths faster than the nearest non-Mercedes, which was Stroll. And that is Mercedes' biggest pace advantage in qualifying since Australia 2015, which is more than 100 races ago. (laughs) So... If anyone ever said the the longer a, a particular rule set goes on, the more things close up. Mercedes have just they've just kept going and going, haven't they? Yeah, I,
1: well, I think that and the fact that Ferrari have just made themselves an absolute letting everyone car. down. Yeah, literally, just do. Ferrari need to do better. Red Bull need to do better.
0: Everyone needs to do better. Racing Point did better, they did. They did do better. Very well indeed. Uh they I mean up until qualifying they looked like quite comfortably the second fastest team all weekend. Um and they sort of underlined that with third and fourth in qualifying, which they sort of always looked like. Maybe a slight surprise yeah. that it was Stroll that took third mm. place rather than Perez because he looked a little slower of the two uh, all weekend, yeah. but he just put that Q3 lap together.
1: Yeah, absolutely huge result for that team as well. Yeah. Like they were cheering like
0: they'd won the race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, as you would as well. It's yeah, oh yeah. They, I believe, it's still right to say they're the team on the grid with the smallest budget. We've we've always said as Force India and was Racing Point, they've always done more kind of per dollar spent than pretty much any other team on the grid, and they yeah. Are continuing to do that and now they have a bit more money coming in or are really making the most of it yeah just imagine if ferrari had the same um
1: effectiveness per dollar as what racing point do they'd be maybe ferrari needs to copy
0: mercedes as well yeah maybe they do maybe <laughs> they do speaking of ferrari they actually locked out the third row in qualifying uh the, the drivers seem generally much happy with the car at least over one lap um their race not quite as good but certainly in qualifying trim it seemed to have a bit more stability back um they still generally don't seem to know why their car is slow i, I do mean, well thing is we know, we know the engine stuff but Hungary's not a power track and they still they they were certainly closer than they were in uh austria but yeah still not what you'd call a particularly fast
1: car no yeah well definitely yeah you're right definitely the the problems of that car aren't all engine are they for sure like there's, no there's, definitely there's not. certainly some chassis i mean just look at the way the car was handling for vettel um in austria and yeah that tells you everything you know about everything you need to know about that chassis sh- i oh, can't speak everything <laughs> you need to
0: know about that chassis so yeah a lot of work to do for ferrari if i've looked at things yeah Red Bull struggled as well, actually. They also seem to have... I think the the new upgrades I bought don't seem to be doing the job and there's kind of unpredictable instability in the aero by the looks of things. They only managed 7th and 13th, uh, Albon getting dropped out in Q2, which he was not best pleased about. It didn't help by the fact that um, he ended up last in the train on both of his Q2 runs which certainly mm. won't help things
1: yeah that was twice they put him out into traffic wasn't it um yeah he was complaining on the radio about that as well uh rightfully so I would yeah, say quite quite fair, fair fair play to him I mean you would you'd be you'd be annoyed Yeah, uh, but surprising I thought
0: Red Bull would do a lot better this yeah. this weekend they really should have done again going back to like pre-season we were saying these first three races are going to be the ones that they're yes. looking at like we need to hit the ground running yeah. we, we usually go well here and to be fair in the race they went fairly well but qualifying wise they were sort of nowhere mm. and then williams yeah williams uh got both cars into q2 for the first time since the 2018 Italian Grand Prix and just on pace as well like there was yeah. no no one dropping out of qualifying, it wasn't raining, no one having, you know, engine troubles or anything like that. Purely on pace, they got themselves into Q2, which is, it really shows the steps they're they're making, doesn't it? Yeah, big time. Uh, not
1: only that, they've got, you know, they've got a couple of really good drivers in there, particularly Ru- Russell's just, the lap he put together to... to uh to get it into Q2. Oh,
0: that was lap of was, the day for
1: sure. Oh yeah, that was a huge, huge, huge lap. And he's he's a driver that's really sort of starting to show now, you know, what he can do despite being in, let's face it, it really, we say, you know, it's doing better, but it's not, it's still a long way from being like, really able to mix it properly in the midfield to mm. do what he did with that car in that session and put it where he did, he's that's something special. That is that's that's going to be one of the things in years to come. When you know when there's content going out about sort of his uh, his first world championship or his rookie years or his early years in Formula One, that's going to be one of the one of the laps
0: that is played again. And yeah, and that's again on the highlight reel. for Sure about him. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a great lap.
0: And I think now he knows he's at Williams for another season. Opportunities like that are where he can show the world that he's got the pace, and you know, say to Mercedes, "Don't forget about me," and potentially to other teams, "Come and get me if Mercedes don't." Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, really cool to see. Mm. Uh, so to move on to the race. Um, <laughs> Max managed to bin it before the race even started. It's been a long time since we've seen someone bin it on the way to the grid, isn't it? Yeah, I, think I couldn't. Rogan it. did it a few years ago, maybe. Yeah, I was flabbergasted when I saw yeah. it. I was. I'd not been in the office long.
1: I like. I'd, I think I'd got in. Made, uh, my ta- my shift doesn't start until not long before the race. So I would sort of just got in, got settled, got everything set up, and looked up, and there's a Red Bull with a wheel, <laughs> with its wheels. Pointing toe in, <laughs> and I was like, "Is that a... my first instinct?" Was oh, it's a replay. A sky playing a replay of an old thing that something happened a long time ago, or something like that. And then, I then the camera didn't go away from it, and then I saw the live like <laughs> thing in the cor- top right hand corner of the screen. I was like, "Oh my god, that's Verstappen. He's in the wall
0: <laughs> I'd better that's- turn my computer off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd better get to work. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's so on this like when stuff like this happens this is like that's my fate one of my favorite things <laughs> in Formula <Yeah>. 1 <laughs> like i really really enjoy like a bit of pre-race drama like i, li- I loved the time when, uh, when it, i think it was hamilton he had some engine issue in i wanna say malaysia and um, he w- had to drive around on the drive around the, the the track to the grid with no engine cover on and then he got oh, to the yeah. grid, and everyone was like, "Oh, what's going on with the Mercedes?" Blah blah blah. You know, like what's happening? And then he went on to win the race despite all the crazy, crazy yeah. drama. And um, it's to me when when stuff like this happens to cars like that, like the Mercedes, like the you know what we think should be a really really good Red Bull, then. You sort of expect them to win the race, almost. It's almost like <laughs> yeah. part of the win. And I said to everyone in the office, "If he, I will absolutely love it if he wins this race after this, because the drama and the suspense and the panic around the car and everyone working on it was just—it was so fun to watch.
0: It really was. Um, I mean, can't say enough about the job the mechanics did to, <sighs> yeah, fix that. In it was like twenty minutes they had, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I said, I, I said to you, didn't I, on the day? I don't think. There's another team on the grid. Well, I think I was talking specifically about Ferrari, but I don't think there's another team on that grid
0: that could do what they did in that amount of time. You know, no. I mean, maybe the Mercedes, but none of the other. Yeah, teams. maybe and Red Bull are like in terms of pit stop times. Like Red Bull are consistently towards the top, and I know that's a different discipline, but still, it shows the the quality of the guys they've got in that pit. That's group. the thing. Yeah, it's, it's
1: they have the best mechanics in the world. That team. But yeah, by a long margin,
0: an incredible. And they, they, I had about what twenty five seconds to spare. I think it was in the end. Yeah,
1: it was really tight, really, really tight. I don't know the exact number. It was. I, I had to actually designed a little countdown timer for a piece we did <laughs> today, but um, I never saw the end result. In the end, I just designed the timer and rendered it off and got on <laughs> the rest of my
0: million jobs. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, very, very, very exciting. Um, he's so lucky he got to start that race like such a silly thing to do I think I heard Christian Horner say like he had like two or three other minor offs on the same lap going round as well so to then get a couple of corners from the end and just stick it in the wall is it's a very very silly thing to do he's he's very lucky that he got to start the race Um, yeah but he start the race he did um, let's talk Hass for a moment they actually both started off on wet tyres while everybody else was on Inters but they both pitted at the end of the formation lap to switch to drys, which was a fantastic call from the team and the drivers once the pit stop started happening they were running third and fourth pretty early on and held their own for quite a long way into the race it was only sort of at the midpoint that people started shuffling back through them. Um, Magnussen eventually finished ninth um, for their first points of the season, which they were rightfully ecstatic about. They were celebrating that like a win.
1: That car's not a uh,
0: ninth place car for sure. No, not not at all. It's not even a 11th place car, never mind. Um, However, after the race, both Haas drivers were given 10-second penalties, Mm -hmm. Uh, basically because the team instructing the drivers to pit on the formation lap broke the driver aids rule. Mm -hmm. This actually dates back to those those dark days in 2016 when they decided drivers were being coached too much and they had the incredibly strict radio rules. When they then rolled those rules back because they were ludicrous – the announcement at the time said, with the exception of the period between the start of the formation lap and the start of the race, there will be no limitations on messages. So for that one lap of the entire weekend, those ridiculous radio rules still apply. And because mm-hmm. they told their drivers to pit, they were, um, it was a driver aid, apparently. And yeah, as yeah. a result, both <laughs> drivers uh, lost a position. Um Luckily for and he was one position, so we still got a point for 10th. But it was a bit harsh, wasn't it? It feels
1: very harsh. It feels like the spirit of those rules are really designed to stop. So like the original intention of those rule, the, the original meaning of keeping that rule in for the parade lap was to, to increase the risk of, of drivers making mistakes during their prep lap. In order to make the starts a bit more action-packed, they want to, yeah. be, you know, they, they kind of, they almost. It's, it's, it's too easy for a driver if you've got the engineer in your ear,
0: telling you step by step how to get that car rolling off
1: off off of its grid start. Well, and, I
0: mean, a, a prime example of that is the uh, Barcelona race where. Hamilton and Rosberg came together on the first lap and that was a result of Rosberg getting his steering wheel settings wrong at the start so he was in the yeah. wrong engine mode, which is why Hamilton was able to close up and make contact. and actually after that race Rosberg had a load of stickers on his steering wheel with a little hmm. like a little cheat sheet of exactly what to do for yeah. the race start procedure. yeah, which is not against the rules bizarrely. <laughs> yeah
1: which really weird. You'd think you would think like part. of... I guess like the, the the spirit of it is part of the job of being a Grand Prix driver is to know how your car works
0: inside yeah, out. I mean, and that's fine. Yeah, I can see that, but this feels like such a.
1: It's a heavy-handed use of the rule
0: for sure. It really I, is, yeah. I think when it's
1: it's it's basically a, it's a team strategy call, isn't it? It's not. They're not they're not instructing the driver on how to drive the car. They're making a strategy call, a sporting call as such, which is coming and put some different tires up, come in, you know, box. So I don't, yeah, it's, it's just so, so harsh. The the other thing I will say about it though is Danny Cavia went on the radio to his team and, um, was telling his team he wanted to come in and they didn't respond to him at all because they yeah. seemed to know the rules. And it's almost as if Haas either decided to sort of push that rule, see how far they could push that rule because they probably felt like they had a lot, not a lot to lose and um, and they went for it. Whereas I guess the, the Alpha Tauris are a little bit, slightly further up the grid and they felt like maybe they didn't want to risk... Getting in the point. Then
0: again, if if a driver says I want to come in on the formation lap, oh, that's the fine. Team say okay, then that's fine. I guess it. I guess it depends yeah, the, whether Kvyat was asking the question or yeah, given an. Instruction. I guess
1: that would be fine, but they just. I don't think they even wanted to take that risk because they were just silent for the whole time. Yeah, which is really weird. Um, yeah, um, the where where has have sort of slipped up really is. They've they've not only sort of told him to come in and and conferred with the driver about the strategy call. They've also like he's given him Magnuson's engineer gave him commands to do on the um, on the steering wheel as well. He did say to him to put it into um, a different tire mode and things like that and to, yeah. to turn dials on the steering wheel. And that's probably where they've got it. Grosjean not so much from what I heard, but still enough to uh, in, enough to go against that rule. So I can kinda see why they've done it and I can also and I but I also think it was very, very harsh to impose that rule on them.
0: Yeah, it's it's I'm I'm glad that they still at least got a point out of it because if they had been stripped of their points that would have been a, a real shame for them. Yeah. So at least they still got something out of it I guess. Yeah. Moving on to the actual start. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Bottas's oh, yeah. jump start or not, as the case turned out to be. So Bottas said he, was at, he reacted to some lights going out on his uh, wheel, which you can actually see if you watch the replay. Yeah. Which you sort of understand that at that race point, you're so poised to react. I guess just yeah. something in your vision changing will be enough for you to react without even realizing you've done it, won't it? Definitely, yeah.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Um, he did get out of it immediately. Um, although he was, if you watch it, still moving at the point the actual lights went out. He, it, it, I never actually saw him even being under investigation for a jump start, um, largely because he didn't trigger like the automatic uh, sensors. Um, they have a measuring sensor actually built into the road, and they have sensors on the cars that. Mm-hmm. Uh, track these things and basically because the movement, the distance he moved was within the tolerance uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, that sensor allows it didn't trigger the someone's jump the start light so it was never investigated and it's exactly the same thing that happened to Vettel in Japan last year, he basically did exactly the same thing Um, Yeah. and I don't know I've, I've seen a lot of people up in arms about this and I mean, I remember us having a similar discussion before. Essentially, it doesn't matter what your uh, sensors say if you've physically seen a car move before the lights have gone <laughs> out. That's a jump start.
1: Yeah, that's that's but probably still my standpoint. If I'm completely honest,
0: it is. But then at the same time, if he had flown into the lead, maybe. But he it, it dropped to seventh before he even got to the first corner. Like in this situation, it's kind of self-policing, isn't it?
1: kind of but at the same time like it almost encourages you know if you're a driver and you know that there's like two tenths of a second you've got two roughly two cents of a second window in which you can sort of make a mistake two tenths of a second in formula one especially at the start of a race is quite a long time so it is if you can find a way or if a team can find a way of taking advantage of that and using it to using finding some way of not triggering the sensor and preventing or making the making the car less sensitive to the sensor, making the car able to get off the line before any other car and not be penalised for it, then you know, where where's the line? Where like are they they obviously wouldn't be encouraged to do that, but there's nothing to stop them doing that. Right. But now. then
0: again you're only going to be able to take advantage of that if you can Basically, guess what is two tenths of a second before the lights go, turn the lights that's go out just a random point. So, I don't know. It's one of those. On one hand, it polices itself, but at the same time, surely with rules and penalties, you either apply them or you don't. Like well, that's you can't pick like, and choose when you.
1: Yeah, a rule is a rule, especially you know when the kind of sort of things are at stake. Uh, with a Formula One race, like yeah. if someone clearly, visibly is caught on camera breaking the rule, then really they ought to be penalised about it. I, I'd say, you know, and I'd say this about any driver on the grid. It's it's not because it's Bottas. It's, it was never because it was Vettel in Japan. If it was Hamilton, I'd say it. And I'm a, quite obviously a Hamilton fan, but like it should be <laughs> the the rules. The rule is that if the car is in motion before the lights go out at any point, having stopped in its grid slot, then a penalty will be applied. So that rule has been broken. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. No, it's right. But then if having made that mistake dropped a seventh, if he then got slapped with a five or ten second penalty. They'll probably all be kicking off about that. That's true. And that's his that would be his entire race destroyed at that point. And is that too harsh penalty for making a slight mistake at the start?
1: Well, no, I don't think it is because you can gain a lot by jumping a start in Formula 1 and if he'd, if he'd I guess the thing is he didn't carry on, he, he sort of stopped it and then started it again and it did cost him a lot of positions, but what if he'd gone and it still hadn't triggered the sensor, you know? I, I yeah. guess it's a big what if but like, they, they, I is. just think rules are rules and they, they ought to be applied, <laughs> it's as simple as that <laughs>
0: Right, shall we talk um, more than the first two inches of the race? <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll do Ferrari first. Uh, it was about only about four laps before everyone other than the Hasses started jumping in for slicks as well. Ferrari told both their drivers they were coming in for softs. Uh, Leclerc did. Vettel immediately said, that's a terrible idea. Why don't we put on mediums instead? To which Ferrari went, oh yeah, maybe we should do that. And that decision kind of dictated the rest of Ferrari's race, didn't it? Uh, Vettel had, although he got lapped and he, when did, when did he finish? He was um, sixth in the end, wasn't he? Uh, uh, but he yes. still showed semi-decent pace. Uh, even with a horrible delay in the pit stop, he still managed to bring it home in sixth place. While Leclerc just struggled horribly, like those soft tyres fell apart in no time. He struggled around on them again, passed by everybody. Eventually yeah. made another stop to switch to hards. I think he swapped to. Um, he ended up finishing out at the points. He lost tenth place to signs towards the end of the race. It kind of that in a very short space of time sort of exemplifies what Ferrari are losing with Vettel, doesn't it? Like yes,
1: it does. Yeah, yeah. The strategy, that, the, the the sort of
0: level headedness in in those kinds of situations, the experience. Yeah, that was an experienced head that in that split second he just went, no, that's not going to work. I know what we need to do instead. And it worked for him. Yeah. Whereas Leclerc did what the team said they were going to do. And yeah. I would suspect signs next year in the same position would probably go along with what the team would say because yep. he's another driver that doesn't have that level of experience. Yeah. Um, well, not only
1: that, like that. why do you think Ferrari are getting rid of Vettel? mm because he, he's capable of making, he's got a mind of his own, and he's capable of making calls himself, and he's probably not fitting in into their mold of what they think a driver should be.
0: Yeah, they we've seen plenty of strategy decisions over the years that show that Ferrari like to be in control of what's happening, don't they? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a really little interesting microcosm into that decision there. Mm. Um. Honestly, the more this year goes on, the more I feel sorry for Vettel. Uh, yeah, I'm becoming a Vettel fan. His his interview with Martin Brundle over the weekend, if you've not seen that, was really, really fascinating. Um, and you can just see genuine... He has a genuine love for Ferrari and a genuine disappointment that he wasn't able to go there and win world championships with them but you can still see that like the fact that he gets to get in that red car every weekend still like really means a lot to him in fact yeah. i saw someone point out over the weekend when they switch on vettel's car the first thing that appears on the screen on his steering wheel is the ferrari emblem <laughs> leclerc doesn't have that and no previous ferrari drivers for well, as long as I've had those big LCD screens, no, the Ferrari driver has that. Vettel apparently specifically asked for when to turn the car on that Ferrari logo appears in front of him just because he feels like it should be there because Ferrari is a special thing and yeah means something to him. And like, that's really I don't know exactly cool. how true that is, but it seems like that is the case. And like, I don't know, it's just a real shame to see how they've kind of done him dirty this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we all know how little I, I admire Ferrari and the <laughs> politics and, and sort of the way they go about their racing. Um, it's it's a, The way they've got rid of him it is upsetting to me. He's, it's no way to treat a four-time world champion.
0: No, he and, deserves much better. Yeah,
1: and Martin Brundle put it nicely. I don't, know, I don't know if I've mentioned it on here or not, but he said if Ferrari have got any problems next see next season it won't be their drivers
0: yeah exactly
1: you know and it's this i think it's the same this season i don't think vettel is necessarily the problem i've always said this like it's the ferrari that's the problem that car is not a driver friendly car and when you compare that to the mercedes which looks let's face it looks pretty easy to drive it's not often you see the mercedes going on off-track excursions and wanting to spin itself around Compared to the Ferrari, that seems like a very, very touchy vehicle to be uh, behind the wheel of. Yeah, very much so.
0: It's, I've, I've seen people point out before, if you've had Vettel, Raikkonen, Alonso in your car yeah, yeah. and you've not won a world championship in a decade, the <laughs> problem is probably not, not with the your car. drivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe it's not the drivers, sorry, yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. <sighs> But there we go. Yeah, I, I, I literally, I can't, I don't want to say anymore. Because no, just, it, it just honestly, it bad. makes me sad. It really makes me sad talking about it. He just deserves mm. much better than that. He does. Latifi, he started really well. He actually went from 15th to 9th on the first lap and was running there for a good few laps until the pit stops. And then his race basically fell apart when... Williams released him into the path of Signs. Uh, he got a puncture and damaged his floor in the process, uh, and I think Signs picked up some front wing damage as well, which sort of hurt his race. Yeah, um, it was a really bad. It was a release a from Williams. It was an absolute it, shocker. It wasn't even close, was it? He was just no, pretty straight, straight of him. into the path
1: of him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh Latifi eventually came home last he was a uh, lap down on everybody else I think Um he made five separate pit stops one of them after he had another spin a turn 5 late in the race Russell was only one place ahead of him which is a very disappointing result for Williams given yeah, how their stats they went pace. yeah, yeah it, it definitely shows that that car over has a lap, some pace yeah, yeah, but they're still very much struggling for the race distance but yeah. still, it's progress.
1: It is progress. I mean, it's, it's good to see them in the mix, at least jumbling things up in qualifying. And at least people have got to try and get past them during the race, you know? So it's yeah, just, just the very fact that sort of Latifi was released into the path of a McLaren shows you kind of, you know, if they're pitting at around the same time, they must be sort of sharing a similar section of track and therefore... Obviously, exactly, at that yeah. point, like they're they're mixing, they're starting to mix it with the teams that are ahead of them, albeit not for a prolonged period of time. Because I, if TV Latifi's pitted five times, he's obviously munching <laughs> tires for some reason. But
0: yeah, you know,
1: um, it's good to see him sort of starting to bring the fight to the other teams.
0: Yeah, definitely. Verstappen and Bottas sort of through a combination of undercuts and overtakes found their way into second and third. Uh, Bottas got pretty close to the back of Verstappen and then Mercedes pitted him for another set of new tyres. Did a pretty decent job of chasing down about 25 seconds over the last sort of 20 laps, wasn't it? Mm. Um, In the end, he got within a few tenths, but he probably needed one or two more laps to actually get by. Uh, Still probably the right choice for Mercedes to pit Bottas when they did though.
1: I think so. I think they were looking back to last season when Hamilton chased down Vettel. Yeah. No, Verstappen. Uh, Verstappen. Verst- God, I always get their two names mixed up. <laughs> Verstappen. Um, they were. I think they were expecting Bottas to do a, a sort of rinse and repeat of that, really, weren't they?
0: Yeah, and to start with, it looked like he would. Like yeah, the first few laps, it he like cut it was into on. it massively, and then the gap sort of stabilized quite a bit, didn't it, for a while?
1: Yeah. So, like first couple of laps, I think one, one and a half, two seconds, sort of, sort of matter chunky was taken out. He got to within like three seconds of him, and then. Sort of leveled off. I think his tires. I think he just munched through his tires. And, yeah, uh, I think so. Verstappen was always going to sort of start to manage his tires. That that enti- that whole battle was all about who could manage those tires the most effectively. Because Bottas had to absolutely chew up his tires to catch up to to make that twenty second deficit to Verstappen. Yeah. And then at that point, Verstappen's got to do the much harder job, which is still be fast yeah but not wear down your tires so much you have to be very nuanced in your driving style i think to do that you know you don't want to be hitting curbs you don't want to be sliding you want to be too hard on the throttle you don't want to be too hard on the brakes but hard enough on the throttle and hard enough on the brakes that you're not losing loads of time it's a really 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 difficult technique for any driver to, to pull off and I think he did it beautifully. I think he did a really, yeah, really, good yeah, he did job a really good job.
0: Um, especially when that track was just chewing up tires all weekend. Yeah. F two and F three as well. Um, it just there must be a ton of rubber left behind on that circuit after the <laughs> weekend.
1: That's interesting. I wonder how much rubber is swept up over over a race weekend. Oh, it must be it's a ridiculous loads. amount. Yeah, absolutely kilos and thousands of
0: kilos. For <laughs> that. But yeah, I think I agree. Mercedes still did do the right choice. I mean, the second Bottas pitted, Red Bull couldn't respond because if they had pitted Verstappen, he'd have come out behind him. There was no question about that. Yeah, Bottas only needed one out lap on fresh rubber yeah. to close that gap. So,
1: which is exactly what happened last year at this exact same. It, it
0: really is, isn't it? Yeah. Only, the really only difference that, is the but...
1: scobble was two positions ahead rather than yeah. for the, well, it was a position ahead for the win rather than for second or third. So
0: yes. Because yeah. the win this weekend was just never oh, <laughs> in yeah, never competition, in down, was it so. really? No, yeah,
1: he absolutely rinsed it, didn't
0: he? Even after taking an additional pit stop to go for fastest lap, which he got at the end with a new lap record, Hamilton still yeah. won by over eight seconds. Yeah. A pedestrian
1: um, final pit stop as well, I might add. He was in that, he was yeah, st- stationary in that box for three and a half seconds.
0: I guess, because this is is the interesting thing about this fastest lap rule that I really like is that I'm sure the discussions were happening on that that Mercedes garage was, we've just led 95% of this race. Are we really going to risk a pit stop where things can and do go wrong for an additional point? Yeah. Which is, I really like that about the fastest lap rule. But then again, how often do Mercedes make mistakes in the pits? Yeah, not very. No, so it's probably deliberately pedestrian, just to make sure everything was definitely yeah. tightened up exactly as it should be. Definitely, if um, you're that like,
1: if you're on that pit crew, imagine the pressure. In that I know, moment. right? He's just led just about, I mean, ninety percent of the laps of the race, and he's got a he's got a far enough lead that he can pit and still have a what eight second lead. I think he had when he came out. Yeah, if you balls up that pit stop, then. F- Gosh, yes, your life's so not going to be worth living, is it? <laughs> So much
0: pressure. That reminds me, actually, on the flip side of that, I saw um, a clip. I can't remember which car it was in the IndyCar race of the weekend. Um, someone came in for a pit stop, and the guy on the front left was... He was adjusting the front wing angle with his left hand while he was tightening up the wheel nut with his right hand. Casual as you like. All got all done. I think he, was, he was still was not the last... Um, guy on a wheel gun to even be done with his job step yeah. back look pleases punch like yeah everything looks great car goes out pulls out of the pits and the wheel just falls off oh god and he was like there was not even any like oh no i've not done my job right like panic bring the car back he was like yep yeah, seems fine everything looks good did a, did a great job there <laughs> this <laughs> is cuts, this yeah. is fine <laughs> and he got no further than the pit exit
1: that's amazing
0: <laughs> but yes back to hamilton uh Third win in a row in, at the Hungara Ring, which no one's ever done before. It's his eighth win at this circuit, which equals another of Schumacher's records. His he has eight wins at uh, Manicor. Um, I don't know. I don't think Hamilton could beat that record until we get to Hungary next year. But it's another it's one, one of the many he's eating up. Yeah. One one stat that I saw that really just shows the level of dominance this weekend. There were only five cars. That finished on the lead lap, and if Hamilton hadn't made that final pit stop, it probably would have been three. Goodness, that's that's proper Schumacher era kind of yeah. dominance, isn't it? It's it's ridiculous. Wow. The that's, level of that, that... Red Bull dominant level of dominance. That's what yeah. R- Vettel was doing in in, in his best. Yeah, it really is. It just goes to show that when the right driver and the right car come together at the right time and they're both performing the way they are, it's just... And I know it's disappointing in a way that it's already looking like we're not going to have much of a fight for the World Championship this year, unless Bottas really gets his act together in the next few races. But at the same time, I kind of feel like if that is the case, then let's just all take a step back and just appreciate that we're getting to watch this because... This, I mean, this kind of level of dominance has happened maybe four or five times in the history of the sport. Maybe not even that many.
1: Probably not even that many. I'd say really this level of dominance only once before and that would be Schumacher. I don't think you can really compare. I think even, even Vettel's era of dominance, even Senna's dominance was... I mean, Senna Senna never really dominated,
0: did he? No, he was was still in pretty tight fights. Even like Fangio, his five titles were not... He didn't run away with them. I mean, it was more difficult then because there were less races, but still. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I'd say probably closest is going to be Schumacher. Then probably Vettel's series of four. Um, Yeah. But other than those, I'd say they're the only, really, the only two that where it's been consistent. You know, season after season after season, same car and driver combination, repeatedly, just, just nailing it. It's yeah,
0: it's it's something to see. It's maybe not the most exciting thing to see in terms of uh, wins of championships, but it's. I think, you know,
1: in years to come when when us and our listeners have all got kids and and you're telling stories about like the old times in Formula One and, you know, you kind of you're going to people are going to be excited to hear about this era when this driver was just like all conquering and won so much so often, like just in the same way that we're so enamored with. With drivers like Senna these days. I think in the future, like there's no doubt in my mind that Hamilton will have that same effect on people's imagination once he's, you know, once he's left Formula One, whenever he does decide to do that. He's absolutely going to resonate in people's, in the history of Formula One for for decades and decades and decades to come.
0: Mm. I mean, he's, it's looking extremely likely now that statistically, at the very least, he will leave the sport as the best driver there's ever been yeah um so yeah we'd uh, appreciate how lucky we are that we're getting to witness it firsthand for i sure.
1: think so yeah and, and let's be fair like not all of his championships up to now have been a cakewalk either like we have had a i would say we've had a bit of a golden age of formula one this last sort of this last few years it, despite like the the sort of, there has been a bit of well, there's been a lot of dominance from Mercedes, but there's still been some absolutely amazing race, some of the best racing that I've ever seen mm. in Formula One going on throughout throughout the field.
0: For sure, yeah. So I mean, it's easy to put on the rose tinted glasses when you're looking back at a lot of eras of F1, but I think so, you actually yeah, go you know, back and watch some of them now. I mean, honestly, I grew up watching. The first seasons I properly paid attention to were sort of 97, 98, 99. Yeah. So I after that I basically had to watch the early 2000s Schumacher Ferrari dominance and god they were dull. I not it's a miracle I'm still a Formula 1 fan like <sighs> there were some dull races back yeah. then.
1: Not if you're a Ferrari you, fan.
0: Well, you think that struggle to overtake these days, my goodness. Mm. But anyway, we are wildly off topic now. Yeah,
1: I think when you've got, tra- I think the the steps they've taken to sort of make it better, things like removing the traction control, making it so that you know they have to fuel up for an entire race, making the cars, they have made the cars more much more difficult to drive than they were in those days, and and sort of we are now slowly seeing the the benefits of that. Come to fruition, kind of thing. These cars, yeah, they probably are easy to, relatively easy to drive in relation to certain other areas of car, but they're definitely not the easiest F one cars to drive that I've ever beaten. Yeah, no. so not not that I've driven one, but um, yeah, like I, <laughs> but coming I, I don't, from people but, who have, yeah, yeah, coming from people who have, like, they, they all they, they do say that they're, they're not the like Martin Brundle, for example, like, yeah, I'm sure that he's driven the Mercedes. He says it's got absolutely tons and tons of grip, even in the wet, but. You know, compare that to driving probably a turbo Lotus. Like, I bet that yeah. was a lot more difficult. When the turbo wound in on one of those, it absolutely just probably spin the wheels up all that power, 1,100 horsepower. great
0: the, yeah, the, the cra- you know what the around. craziest
1: thing about that is? There's drift cars these days with like 1,600 <laughs> horsepower. that use it for like 10, Not well, they don't even wind them all the way up usually. They've got engines that are capable of 1,600 horsepower and they usually use about 900 of it, but they want it to be reliable horsepower so they never crank it all the way. But imagine, it's crazy. (laughs) It makes you wonder what the Mercedes really has. I think the Mercedes, they they say like 1,100-ish horsepower in the Mercedes now. Yeah, it's it's got to be. I think it must be capable of more than that. I think if you cranked it all the way up that's without the thing, wanting with it the... to be reliable, because the engine rules mean that you have to have a reliable engine. Exactly, and even yeah. if it, if it's cranking out that kind of power uh, reliably, if you yeah, turned wild. it up to the point where it was unreliable, I bet you could get 2,000 horsepower out of that thing before it went pop.
0: It, yeah, I'd love to see them try it one day.
1: Mm. That would be amazing, wouldn't it?
0: Maybe when they if, like bow out of F1, they'll do... Um... Like Porsche did with their Le Mans car, just like build a special version of it that just breaks all the rules to go as fast as possible. I'd love to see Mercedes do that. With oh, them. go around
1: and set a load of lap records.
0: Yeah, put some fairings over the wheels for extra aero, crank the engine all the way up.
1: You know what? It would not surprise me if they did that. I bet I'd I bet they saw that. Porsche do that and thought, ooh, what might have been great. I bet we can beat those. Because that 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 Porsche is essentially like a time attack car on absolute yeah.
0: steroids, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Right, I'm bringing this kicking and screaming back on topic now. Okay, okay. Other drivers. Uh, so the racing points: Lance Stroll came home sort of best of the rest in fourth. Perez finished seventh. It's a good result for them. Do you think they're maybe still a little disappointed uh, after locking out the second round qualifying? you'd have yeah. put money on them getting a podium wouldn't you
1: yeah i think so i think part of the trouble was perez got um got caught out a bit i think by bottas's, uh, uh, bottas's sort of half jump start not just yeah. not jump start so that kind of like screwed his start up a little bit and he just plummeted down straight away after that um stroll can't you can't really ask much more of stroll
0: no you can't really um he he sort of did as much as he was able to. Uh, Mercedes and Red Bull just kind of outdid them on strategy, really, didn't they? They yeah use a strategy to make the most of the extra pace they had. Yeah, he. I mean, he
1: put Stroll put some good moves in on the way to uh, on the way to fourth. There's no doubt about that. He had to work for it. And oh, Perez, yeah, like there was a train behind Perez at one point. Yeah, as well. for for a prolonged period, actually, of that race, he was holding a lot of cars up. So. It was it was reminiscent of the old Truly train that we used to get back in the day. Back I actually
0: saw someone call him a Yano Perez over the weekend. Yano point. Perez, <laughs> <laughs> that was
1: good. That's good.
0: It's it's interesting, especially now we're in this world where those racing point seats are up for Hot debate. Property. Yes, um, at a time when everybody is saying, a time when you've got the, I think it's the former president of. Mexico is trying to encourage people to tweet a hashtag to try and save Perez's seat for next <laughs> year. And the vast majority of people are of the opinion it would seem that if anyone needs to lose their seat to that team, it should be Stroll. But then again, he was the sure, fastest the in business. qualifying and he yeah. came fourth in a race. Like he was, that's up there. With, I think with Stroll's best ever drives, it maybe yeah. even is his best ever drive, yeah. I think. I
1: wish I had turbo stroll this weekend instead of Paris. Yeah, I know, right? I around. think he's even like, in my team. Yeah.
0: He's got the goods. Yeah, definitely. He's he's improving. Like he's uh, the advantage of the position he's in with his dad owning the team or co owning the team. I guess is that it allows him a bit of breathing room to have the time and space to work on things and improve. And he's doing that. To be fair to him, yeah, he is. And and to I, be fair to to his dad, like you're not about to invest in a
1: Formula One team. I think Martin Brundle said this at the weekend, you're not gonna invest all that money in a Formula One team
0: to get rid of your son. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um and while I still think Perez is well, he's definitely better. the more experienced driver and yeah, he's he's the better race driver. He's got the yeah. better record. Yeah, for sure. But uh yeah, it's it's Lance is sort of showing what he can do, which I think both those drivers are going to need to this year.
1: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting battle, I think, unfolding. Yeah, very we interesting. We never, we didn't really, like, we'd never sort of imagined this to be. I know. Be one of the spicier battles of the year. But actually, like, right now, Stroll versus Perez is the hottest fight on that grid, I'd say. How long do you think before they end up
0: coming together? Oh, no time at all, especially with Perez. <laughs> Perez loves a crash. It feels inevitable at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, worth saying that their result is, again, provisional. Uh, Renault re-protested their brake ducts. Um, oh, boring. The, so basically the only po- reason Renault have done it again is because of the way the rules work, they now have to protest every result until there's until a, there's a, verdict, a yeah. decision, basically. Or if they hadn't done and the verdict to come down in Renault's favour, Racing Point could still potentially have kept this result because it wasn't protested. Um, we are expecting that that hearing will happen before Silverstone, though, so we should know before the next race where we lie with things.
1: Yeah, I mean, if... Uh, um, what's what's the guy's name who's in charge at Racing Point? Otmar, Otmar um, he He said, he maintains absolutely that it's... It's their design and they've set the design and if they need to redesign it, then they'll just redesign it and remake it the same way because it's their design. So, you know, it's kind of all for nothing, I think really, because let's face it, they can't, (laughs) they can't forget what they've made. Like they've made it, the molds are there for the carbon fiber. Like they can literally just, they're probably frantically like measuring their own molds now again, just to, just to redo it. So
0: I guess what Renault are hoping is they can prove that there's some kind of internal part of those brake ducts that it would be impossible for them to copy just from a photograph.
1: Yeah, there won't be. Like they, they've, they're not thick. <laughs> like, no, they, they knew like that this this sort of thing might happen. You, you when you set about designing a car. If you're going to copy the other car, if you're going to, and they're probably using photos and stuff to do it, they're probably. I don't believe for a second that Mercedes have risked breaking the rules themselves by giving them no, no chance intellectual property to to make a customer car out of. That's just not Mercedes. What have Mercedes got to gain? Unless it's
0: like one rogue individual, like the the Spygate saga from back in the day, but. I would be very, very yeah. surprised if anything like nah, that. happened.
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you, I mean, you could have a disgruntled sort of Mercedes <laughs> employee you sort of just randomly posted the entire spec sheet for the
0: 2019. I somehow feel Mercedes. like Mercedes <laughs> designs are fairly well uh, looked after. Though I don't. That's the kind of thing yeah. you could just uh, slip out of a drawer and I walk out so. of the factory. I, so.
1: I bet they're using. Um, <laughs> I bet they're using Microsoft Office gubbins at their office. Oh, see,
0: if if we had a a sponsor now, we could seamlessly go into saying how good a a VPN is or something, but... uh...
1: Oh, we could do, couldn't we, yeah. If there's any CEOs of any VPN companies out
0: there listening, give us a shout. That's how good we can shoehorn your adverts into the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. You name it, we'll shoehorn it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What else? Albon kept his fifth place, uh, despite being under investigation for a while, uh, for the mechanics using (laughs) blowers to dry out his grid slot, which is against the rules. Uh, It was all discussed after the race to the point where they, outside the FIA offices at the track, they were demonstrating how blowing these things on the ground doesn't do a particularly good job of drying it out. Um, (laughs) Which is kind of ludicrous to watch, especially when they were doing it on like the concrete of the pit lane, which is going to behave completely differently to the asphalt of the circuit, anyway. Um,
1: true, true, but I mean, you got to be play- you'd have to be blowing really, really hot air onto yeah. a sodden track in order to dry it out. I think.
0: Yeah, but there we go. He he, they got away with that. Uh, he kept his <laughs> place. Good. Um, Sines got past the Clerk for 10th towards the end, as we mentioned, which became 9th with a Magnussen penalty. Norris was only 13th, uh, finishing behind a Renault, a Haas, and an Alpha Terry, which is not really how McLaren roll this season so far. Oh, no, uh, yeah. He basically said he, he described it as his worst start ever, and he never really um, recovered from a terrible start, basically. Hmm. I shall it's have to have a look at that one tomorrow. A shame for him. Um, I think he basically said that he was trying to gain positions at the start. And when you do that in the wet, all you achieve is losing positions. And that's exactly what he did. Um, But I've not actually seen the onboard of it. Lots to learn still for Norris. Yeah. Isn't there really? Yeah. But, you know, good on him for owning up to his mistakes and showing that he's learning from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And Gasly was the only time from the race. It looked like an engine failure uh, because he had a brand new engine for this race. It looked like it had failed, but apparently it was actually his gearbox that caught fire but then wow. that fire obviously then spread and pretty much destroyed all of his nice shiny new engine parts, which is
1: goodness, not what that they must, want at all. That must have been so hot for yeah. a gearbox to catch fire. Yeah. So must have been a the, right oil must, there. the oil inside must have caught fire, maybe. That would be the first thing to catch, because that would be the most flammable thing in yeah, there. Yeah, unless there's an oil leaking. Like yeah.
0: Seized, maybe? Yeah. But then again, if it seized, you'd be spun it off into the wall. In you. you
1: just stop, yeah. It just all melt into place. It wouldn't yeah. sort of set on fire. That's a, a gearbox fires a weird thing. Weird which one, is gearbox yeah. made out of wood. Yeah, now No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no they're have the biggest budget there. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's about the lot for the race. Can we condense that into a driver of the day?
1: Oof. Um, driver of the day. Well, I can tell you who isn't the driver of the day, and that's Verstappen
0: because he binned it before the race even started yeah however good his actual race was and it was fantastic yeah he, he disqualified himself from that award immediately
1: yeah didn't stop the world voting him for him for driver of the day did it but yeah the world has a different spec sheet for driver of the day to what we do but as i
0: said on twitter which i think may have upset a couple of people the flow chart goes has max verstappen overtaken at least one person yes driver of the day it's
1: <laughs> so true. It is so true. <laughs> Has Max Verstappen had his breakfast today? Yes. Driver <laughs> of the day. Uh I mean Hamilton's a shout because like he just he just made mincemeat out of it He
0: was in a different league. Absolutely unbeatable. Um
1: yeah. it was one of those drives where it was just utterly dominant. Utterly, utterly, utterly dominant. Um,
0: so that's up there.
1: Stroll's we already mentioned was yeah
0: he did absolutely everything he could with that car
1: yeah Stroll's I mean it's it's a good story as well it's his best ever it's what almost his best ever result he had a a podium hasn't he back that was it yeah oh yeah when Bottas overtook him and he yeah pipped him on the line nearly got second didn't he yeah Um, I'm tempted to give it to Stroll because he had a really good race weekend
0: he did either him or I think Kevin Magnuson as well is worth a shout um to yes it was like a tire decision at the start that kind of gave them that early uh, he was running third wasn't he at the start of the race yeah near was, the start yeah. of the race but the way he then worked with his tire strategy Defended enough to try and hold his position without destroying his tyres in the process, and to hang on for points at the end, I thought was a really, really solid drive.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with that as well. I think I, I'm still just just because I favour finishers in higher positions, I, I can't, re- I couldn't really give drive of the day to someone who finished ultimately finished ninth,
0: even in a Hass.
1: Even in a house, like, I, I just, <laughs> I just can't, I just can't. I, I think Lance Stroll is in a, is in a car that's sort of very capable, admittedly, but you've still got to have the goods to do something with it. So I'm not sure I can believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, but Lance Stroll is my driver of the day.
0: We might need to get uh, Tom to give us a casting vote on this, but uh, I'm, I'm K Mag's def I'm sticking with K Mag for mine.
1: Ah, hung, we're hung.
0: We'll, um, oh, my God. we'll let Tom do oh, a casting vote. Are we vote.
1: recording? We're recording these. We're keeping these down.
0: Well, at, every, at the end of every season, I go to do the like end of oh, season stats of course, and realise yeah. I've not written them down so I have to listen back through old episodes. So I'm actually keeping notes of them this time. Oh, good, good, so, yeah, Tom good can plan. give us a casting vote and I'll, I'll record that. Uh, move of the day. We were kind of almost spoiled for this, which is rare at the Hungara Ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Aston Leclerc had a really good duel. When Bottas went through a massive puddle and looked like he was potentially going to go straight <laughs> yeah. on at the corner at yeah. one point. His,
1: at that point, his tyres turned from chewing gum to
0: acrylic. <laughs> <Rock> <laughs> I'd
1: love to acrylic. have
0: seen the, um, the temperature of those tyres at the moment he went through there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I've also got Norris's defence against Leclerc written down. Yep. Um, and actually, mine. Leclerc's then subsequent pass on the next lap was also really good. Yeah. What else? And you got the
1: Albon dive bomb on Grosjean as well.
0: There, that was. I was, was touch and go. <laughs> I held my breath when I saw that. To be honest, because yeah. was, I think he was on board at the time that it happened as well, and I was properly holding my breath at that point. Um, yeah. Grosjean was very compliant with that move. I think. Eventually, he
1: was. I think he bit a chunk out of his seat when he, uh, when he saw him down. Yeah, the inside, definitely. But yeah. Um. <laughs> A proper clench moment that uh, mine's mine though is is norris Nor- i'd say if i had to give it to anyway i'm on the fence a little bit but norris norris's defense against leclerc i think was my favorite, i think i'm going with you on that section of that race um i could maybe give it to both for that entire sequence of racing but ultimately that bit of defending norris did was to hold him off the way he did for as long as he did I think was uh, was a pretty good... Yeah, it was like inch-perfect defence, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was really, really exciting to watch as well. They were so close.
0: And our final award.
1: Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here?
0: Any thoughts for this one? Um, I mean, there's one very obvious one. There's a
1: really obvious one, which is Verstappen. I think it's a bit too obvious, almost. <laughs> the... Does WTF have to be bad?
0: Doesn't. Does it, uh, what do you have in mind?
1: Well, not so much the the crash itself of Verstappen into the wall down at Turn Twelve, but more the subsequent rebuilding of his entire front left, <laughs> well, not his entire front left suspension, but like some very complex components of his front left suspension in a very very limited amount of time. It normally takes an hour to do that kind of work they were doing and they did it in less than 20 minutes um that's kind of wtf for me because that's just it's it's sort of it's amazing it's it's an amazing wtf it's a really really like exciting just just a really cool piece of Part of Formula One to watch. Yeah, totally. like the, the fact that these people are so talented that they can do such a complex task in such a short amount of time amazes me. And then he goes on and has the race he does as well, which is also WTF. <laughs> but how does that happen when you've binned it before you even got to the grid?
0: If anything, the mechanics should maybe have been up for move of the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good shout.
0: I. Th- I, I... I hate dwelling on this every week, but I want to give a shout out to some um, some shoddy graphics again. Uh, we had Ugh. we had the striking distance drop by ten laps in the space of two laps again uh, at one point, which is a classic the pit, the pit viper. Yeah, my um my personal favourite was uh, the tyre performance graphic when Hamilton and Verstappen's tyres were one lap apart in terms of age, um, and Hamilton's were apparently about 40, uh, 30 or 40% better off on three of the tyres and like 50% better on his front right. It's like, it's just... <laughs>
1: just n- plucking numbers out of the air. It's just right? nonsense. Just absolutely nonsense. just plain nonsense. Yeah, I'd, uh, I could go for a WTF for that. I'm getting tired of seeing stupid graphics. Yeah, to be honest but.
0: though, I am find it hard to go away from the, the obvious one on this case, which is yeah. binning it on the way yeah. to the grid.
1: Shall, shall we give it to a, a collective... The collective binning of, and then recovery, and then recovery drive of that entire <laughs> thing. yeah. Okay, there we go. There's, you just t- you just type that out, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there
1: we go. Um, Shall we do? Shall we go over some predictions?
0: Yes, I'm a bit bit happier to do predictions this week.
1: Yeah, I'm only slightly happier. So the three of us: Tom, yourself, and um, myself. All got one point each by correctly guessing that Hamilton would win the race. Um, in hindsight, absolute no-brainer. But
0: Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking yeah. with our qualifying predictions, to be honest. Yeah,
1: and I expect quite a few people also predicted that. I'm just going to go to the Many. website backofthegrid.com, where you can also go to submit your predictions or a week before each race. <clears throat> oh wow! Oh wow! It's just a sea of green.
0: I I would wager I don't know this for certain, but I would wager that this is maybe the most people scoring at least one point we've ever had. Yeah, 184 people be. scored at least a point this week, and wow, almost all of them had Hamilton <laughs> in one guise yeah. or another.
1: Wow, we've got some really close to uh, clean sweeps. There's a couple really close to a quick clean sweep here. Um Joe Thiel only got one wrong. That was the first DNF incorrectly predicted. That it would be Latifi when it was
0: Pierre Gasly. Yeah, he he's gotten lucky there as well. Latifi seemed to do everything he could to DNF that race. Yeah, he did. He really did.
1: Um, and then Liam McHugh, um, 15 number of finishes was his downfall. Um, the correct number was 19. I mean, so... you can see
0: why he went 15 after the last couple of races we've had, but... Yeah, you can, but
1: yeah, no, I mean, this one was always going to be. It's a, a bit less of a car killer, so I yeah. think the higher numbers were probably the the safe ones. You weren't far off either, because you only had, you had eighteen for that one,
0: almost. Mm.
1: So, uh, in the overall standings, we've got Brendan Bain, Oscar Fedling, and Angus Munday. equal top in the standings, always six points after three races. So, still all to play for. Only six points on the top literally, if you've got one point, you could get a clean sweep and be right up there.
0: Um, yep. I mean, I can see people who've only entered one race above me and you in the standings quite yeah. handily. So <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. never too late to join It's in. never
1: too late. Especially this season. We don't know how many races there are going to be this season. So exactly, get yeah. in there, get in there while you can. Um, you can, of course, do that on backofthegrid.com and you can click on the predictions bit on the sidebar and it will take you where you need to be to, to do that. Um, so... Takeaways from this 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 race weekend. Um, first takeaway is probably that Mercedes... Well, I mean, it's an obvious one. Mercedes are as dominant as they ever have been. Um, absolutely no stopping them all weekend. They were
0: just in a league of their own. Maybe even bordering on as dominant as, as they've ever been. Like They just never even looked close to getting worried by anyone, did they?
1: Yeah, maybe the most dominant they've ever been.
0: It's already shaping up to this car being the most dominant they've ever built it's something else
1: that um dual axis steering it's uh yeah they were using it all weekend yeah when everyone's tires are disintegrating and you can change the toe angle of your tires and stop them graining up and wearing away makes a difference Mm -hmm. um the next takeaway is that the red bull mechanics are just they're not human (laughs) yep that's that's all i have to say about that um Third takeaway, Ferrari really do have a long way to go. Yes, the qualifying pace wasn't as awful as it had been in Austria, but still, that car doesn't look like a very fun car to drive in a range of conditions, does it?
0: No, and this track has shown that it's not just their engine that's their problem as well.
1: Yeah, this is very much a chassis track, and the engine has already let them down, now it looks like the chassis is letting them down as well, big time. Um, Fourth takeaway is that the Racing Point definitely has the goods, just maybe not quite the drivers to take advantage, or the strategists to take advantage of the potential that car's got right now. Yeah,
0: potentially. It it feels like it's uh, when rather than if they pick up a podium though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's got to be suit. I I dare say Silverstone might be where they do it.
0: Yeah, may well suit them. Silverstone's yeah, a track that really rewards a good car and really punishes a bad car.
1: Yeah. So expect to see the Ferrari struggling again at Silverstone. Yeah. Um, uh, the racing point, and of course, racing point based at Silverstone as well. Yes, home race one. So it's very much a home race for them. It is literally on their actual doorstep. <laughs> um, and then the final one I've got this week is McLaren have some work to do. I thought McLaren had a better chassis than what they've got, but the Hungaroring kind of, they've come undone this weekend somewhat.
0: Yeah. It's after the sort of heroics of the first two races, it's sort of crashed back down to earth a little bit for them, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. Racing point are only a point behind them in the standings now. Hmm. Red Bull have jumped ahead of them. It's, it just shows how tight that battle is going to be behind the Mercedes.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. And, and Ferrari are probably a big part of that fight. uh, It pains me to say it. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure no one believes me (laughs) when I say that, but it just (laughs) (laughs) pains me to say it. I want to see them fighting. I want to see someone taking the fight to Mercedes and they're the only team that has the budget to do it. And they've just massively let us down. It's a huge disappointment.
0: Yeah. They're going to be, they're very much in that McLaren racing point, uh, sort of Renault fight, aren't they?
1: yeah big time absolutely big time so that's all to take us into the preview episode next week when we preview the british grand prix Um, i'm just going to do a quick bit of news and then we'll get to the messages from you guys so the only bit of news we've got really is that the chinese grand prix which is currently postponed looks pretty likely to be cancelled now as china's General administration of sport announced all international sporting events, except trials for the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, will be called off.
0: Um. I like that um, the one exception is something that is happening there, but no one else can do anything. Yeah. We'll do the trials for our Olympics, but nothing else. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, like um, that was the first one to get cancelled, and then it actually looked like one of the most likely to come back, and now it's disappearing again.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I think things might be. A, a, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's not a COVID podcast, so we're not going to get too deep <laughs> into that, but I think things in China might be a little bit worse than we all mm, quite possibly believe. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. shall we? Did you want to mention F2? I just wanted to quickly
0: mention F2, yeah, because. I mean, F2 was just fantastic again this weekend. Um, yeah, I heard they had a
1: really good race on Sunday morning. The sprint race was really, really good. And I didn't see it because I was literally racing. Sprint to work race. Myself.
0: I'm actually not going to say anything about the sprint race. If you didn't see it, go find the highlights and watch it. It is up there with the best Formula 2 races I've ever seen. It was phenomenal. Um, so I'm not going to say anything about that just go watch it but the feature race on uh, Saturday was won by uh, Robert Schwartzman he's the only driver to get more than one win this season now in the six races they've had which shows how close things are although he is pulling a bit of a gap at the top now um, which is impressive given this is his first season of F2 he uh, graduated from F3 as the champion last season um, it's of particular interest, though, because he chased down and passed Mick Schumacher to take that win, who is his teammate, and they're also both Ferrari Academy drivers. Yeah. And right now, of the two of them, Schwartzman is looking like the much more exciting, complete racing driver. Um, so there's kind of this internal race between the two of them to be the next Ferrari driver to get promoted up between them, which is already looking really interested to watch, but Robert Schwartzman is just looking like such an exciting young driver. He's he's so good to watch. Um, cool. Really looking forward to potentially seeing one or both of them uh, potentially grabbing one of those alpha seats in the next uh, season or two.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go straight to the Formula 1 YouTube page and watch the highlights.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely do. So this. good. So good.
1: <laughs> okay, shall we do some inbox?
0: Yes, Um, I'll go first. Uh, Talia K says, how did they get away, they being Red Bull, with drying Albon's grid spot? The quote-unquote proof of the blowers not drying was on a different surface. And surely the clear intention is enough. Uh, Magnussen hands down drive of the day. P10 is better than they could hope for. So right call from Haas, even with the penalty. Um, I mean, their argument for getting away with the blowers on the track thing was that they put them down and forgot to turn them off. How true that is, I don't know, <laughs> but but yeah. there we go. I mean, to be fair, Red Bull were very busy before the start of that race, so you can probably yeah. forgive them that. They probably
1: had a few crew members from Albon's car over te- giving a hand with... West Albon Statham's was probably car, sat
0: there like, where is everyone?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like they've got a fl- flipping dehumidifier in front of the car. Yeah. <laughs> blasting massive fans onto the ground is it it's just they've left i don't think it's that big of a deal i really don't think it's that big of a no deal it's really thing. not it's just a big old fuss about very little um on that one in terms of magnuson's um hands down driver of the day yeah i mean you've got you agree with chris there
0: there's a vote in my corner
1: <laughs> yeah another vote in your corner um yeah it was the right call they had nothing to lose of course it was absolutely the right call they were Trundling around near the back of the grid, and even if it, even it, even if communicating, if even if they knew they were breaking that rule, like it made sense to do it because look at the gains they got, they got points out of it, and they probably wouldn't have been anywhere near the points if they'd not made that call, regardless of the penalty. So, yeah, they've they got it absolutely right, hands down. They've exactly, yeah. they've played the game big time there. Um, shall I do the next one. Go for it. Jammy Dodger says, Do you think that this race sums up what 2020 2021 will be like with Merck lapping cars up to fifth place and nothing much happening? Well, I don't agree that nothing much happened.
0: Yeah, I said there's a fair bit happening. Um, Mm. But it does look (laughs) like Mercedes are going to be.
1: Yeah. If you count. Yeah, if you count like one driver leading the race from the start and not really being troubled for the lead, there's not much happening, then yeah, I suppose you're right. But when you look down through the field... Yeah, when there's 19 other cars. Yeah, there's still a heck of a lot of racing going on through, through that field and some really good moves going on, some great driving some really exciting racing so and that's um, why I love Formula 1 and to so, be fair
0: yeah, they yeah. did a pretty decent job of showing it all they this did. weekend I thought in as fact well. I
1: don't think we saw much of Hamilton the whole race
0: barely saw him once he was around yeah. the first corner he, I mean he pulled about three exactly. second lead on the first lap and he didn't really see him again until yeah, he made his pit stops.
1: Chris he absolutely yeeted
0: <laughs> he did yeet that first lap <laughs> Next, Wesley Paul says Gasly blew an engine third race. Max and Alex haven't been as competitive as they should be. Does the 2020 Honda engine have issues? I
1: don't think it's got any more issues than uh the Ferrari engine's got. I think it's no. just not as good as the Mercedes, just yeah. like the Renault and the Ferrari both.
0: I think it's more business, that Gasly's so. just been very unlucky than yeah. uh Actual issue, I don't think.
1: Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's only been this. Yeah, I, I don't think there's engine issues throughout throughout the thing. No, I think it's only, it's only really been Gasly that's had proper engine issues. There was um, what was the, the what was Verstappen's issue at the last race? Was it hydraulics?
0: Um. Oh, good question. I I knew this a week ago, but that information has now fallen back out of my head. Yeah,
1: it was something along. It wasn't pure engine it was like it might be it's either gearbox or the hydraulics and it was a a bit of a car killer track as well let's not forget that the last two races have been at a track that is renowned for breaking cars so yeah you know Silverstone will be more if they're having big engine failures at Silverstone which is a power circuit still then that's when you'd sort of start asking is there a real issue with that engine? But right now uh, no, nah, I don't I don't think there really is a massive injury there. I'm not super worried about them. No. Um, Corey Zilla, zombie killer, <laughs> says, how different do you think the race result would have been if the rain did come down? I still think Hamilton would have, won it? What about you?
0: I think the top two in the race were probably the best two wet weather drivers on the grid. So yeah, the top two probably wouldn't have changed. Um, yeah. Midfield would have probably been a bit more mixed up, potentially.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we might have seen sort of a few a couple of Williams a bit further up the grid maybe we probably would have seen a couple of Haas's further down the grid.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Vettel only finished a second or two behind Albon. Um, I I wager he would probably have dragged clawed his way back up. Clawed to right past yeah. 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 Not at the front a, but more of a challenge for Stroll to hold on to that fourth place as well potentially. Yeah. Absolutely. But we'll never know what could have been. You
1: will never know what could be, unless Bernie gets his sprinkler system out. We'll never <laughs> know. Should we do the next one?
0: Yeah, last question Final this one. week. Uh, Jay Alexander says. On last week's podcast, you spoke about Russell's future, and you said that he's there to replace Hamilton, not race alongside him. With that said, how responsible is Mercedes for having Russell replace Hamilton? Should they wait for Hamilton to leave and run the risk of Russell defecting, or should they make the decision for Hamilton and not renew his contract and sign Russell? Also, if Russell is left out in the cold, does this signify that there's a problem with Mercedes' junior system, as he will be the third driver that Mercedes fails to promote?
1: Well, I think the biggest problem Mercedes have got with their junior driver program at the moment is they've got two absolutely world-class drivers who are not ready to retire at any time. Yeah, it
0: really is. Um, It's funny because we were talking last week or the week before about Vettel and how Ferrari have kind of previous uh, examples in their history of getting rid of drivers that no other team would get rid of because they don't necessarily like drivers becoming bigger than the team. Whereas, you know, Hamilton is... Definitely bigger than basically anything else in Formula 1 these days. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Mercedes are just going to happily have him in that seat until he doesn't want to be anymore, aren't they?
1: Yeah, until he um, gets bored, he ain't going anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's it, it does put Russell in a difficult position, especially now like with, with the racing point connection to Mercedes. That could have been a possible destination for him, but we've already got too many drivers for those two racing point seats. It's interesting. It's If he was in the Red Bull program, he'd probably be in the Red Bull by now and then back out of it again in no time and then out <laughs> in the cold without yeah. a drive. Like Mercedes definitely don't rush things with their drivers. Um,
1: I think he's is, is definitely in the right place. I think from Mercedes, look at it from Mercedes' perspective, it's a nice problem to have. You've got two brilliant drivers already in your team and you've got uh, a brace of... Also good, very good drivers connected to your team in lower teams. In, in, I believe Ocon's still represented by Toto Wolf, right? He's still part of... Yeah,
0: he's still got links.
1: The program. Um, and then Russell, obviously, is very strongly connected to Mercedes and Hamilton. Um, how responsible are Mercedes for having Russell replace Hamilton? I mean, they're not. They're not responsible for him russell's still got to do an amazing job in order to earn that seat and he has to do it consistently just because he's on the program doesn't automatically entitle him to a seat but having said that obviously he's driving very very well at the moment and you you could argue that right now
0: he deserves an opportunity um yeah and we'd all love to see him in a car that can do more to be able to show off what you can do?
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing right now is that he's he's op- very clearly in a car that he's far too talented for. Um, in relation to the sort of side of the question, how by waiting do they run the risk of losing Russell? Then, yeah, absolutely do. That's the balance that you you sort of strike when you have a mm-hmm. young driver program. Is you, you you train these drivers up and they're there. As a, you know, you train them up because you want a very good driver to replace your already very good driver. They've got. You could argue that their their young drivers program is almost too successful because they've got some really really good talent in there and nowhere to put it.
0: Yeah, but it's it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? At that point,
1: exactly. Yeah, and that that's what they've got.
0: And ultimately, the people whose opinions and decisions really matter on George Russell's future, they'll have access to the data. So they they won't be in any illusion as to what he can and can't do. And yeah. he just needs to be patient. Like let's face it, he's in his second season F1 and he's still younger than Lewis Hamilton was when he won his first title. So it's not like he's running out of time. Like yes. there's there's still if he can be patient for a few more years until Either Bottas gets turfed out, or Lewis decides to retire. Mercedes aren't gonna, unless they really, really, really make a mess of the new set of regulations, which I think is highly unlikely. Then I don't think he's got too much to worry about. He just needs to be patient for a few more years, honestly.
1: Yeah, I would. The only thing I would say is that if if he can sort of find his way into a racing point somehow, then. That's absolutely where you'd rather be, isn't it? If you've got a choice between the Williams and the racing point today, then you you pick the right you pick the pink car.
0: Yeah. Um oh for
1: sure. And I think if it was George Russell in there rather than Sergio Perez or Lance Stroll, then I think we'd probably see that car maybe challenging sort of the Red Bulls and the uh well, the Red Bulls, <laughs> the, the rebel of Max Verstappen, because mm-hmm. that's really the only car in between them and the Mercedes. Right yeah. Now.
0: It's, um, it's, it is a difficult year for things as well. Like the music stopping very early in the musical chairs this year. And a lot yeah. of drivers are getting left without many options. Um,
1: it only takes one like crazy thing to happen. Though, it really as does as we've seen already this season. And it can all get just absolutely blown out of the water, thrown up in the air, and you know, all kinds of craziness happens. So you know, I, I guess the best thing you can do is the thing right now for George Russell is to just watch with very very keen eyes as to how this racing point scenario works out with the yeah, possible I mean, replacement placement of uh, of Perez.
0: I mean, yeah, we've not even really talked about all of these Vettel to uh, racing point things. Maybe we'll, after the dust has settled for a week, we'll talk about it in a, a preview next week or something. But Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably yeah. one for next week. After I nearly got laughed off the podcast last week. For I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wondered how long it would
1: take to bring that up. That's why I've kept my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and I think that's everything this week, isn't it? Um, I think so. Cool. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, if you want to get involved in the Predictions League, you can just go to backofthegrid.com. You can sign up for free. Um, if you've not played before, get yourself signed up so you're ready to go for the uh, following race. We normally open predictions as soon as we record the podcast for the preview, so uh, that'll go live sort of Monday or Tuesday next week. If you want to get in touch with us otherwise, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Back of the grid on Twitter at F one and i've already mentioned the website and i think that is everything isn't it i think so that's it. until next week get well soon tom and goodbye bye